0: Hi! Welcome to the Midlife Best Book Club. This is Heather Bonham and I'm very glad that you've joined me today. We are studying a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and this is the third part of the book study. Uh, This will also be saved on the Midlife Best Facebook page. It'll be put on the YouTube channel. It'll be available as a podcast Episode 111 of the midlife best podcast so you can take the content. However, it's convenient for you Also, I need to remind you if you're new and welcome if you are new that you can watch these videos in any order because we're studying this book thematically and not chronologically so we've done two episodes the first week we talked about a theme of humanity Last week we talked about the theme of goals and the importance of looking to the future. This week we're going to talk about Viktor Frankl's um, take or his kind of perspective on choice and decisions and how important it is to have some agency and some control in any circumstances in life. So again, you can get this book and go ahead and start reading it at any time. And just know that I picked out a lot of different quotations. I have my sticky notes for this week throughout the book. And we will study just these important themes that I've noticed as I've been studying this book. So there is a reason that this book has been around for so many years. And when I've been planning books for the book study we've done a few books already this is um, an ongoing project that i've been doing since end of last summer beginning of last fall we started with a book called the big leap by gay hendrix it's a more modern book i think it was written about 20 years ago the second book that we did was how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie and that book was written over 80 years ago, and the same with this book. So this book was originally written um, after Dr. Frankel got out of the concentration camps, got back into his medical and uh, practice of psychiatry. And then he had notes that he was writing for this book that he they were taken from him when he got put into his first concentration camp. Um, And then later on, he was there for several years lost many family members went through tremendous tragedy but later on he had some notes that he had started on scraps of paper um, and then eventually started writing and lecturing again once he was freed and so this book was originally published in 1959 uh no sorry in 1946 in Austria and then it was translated from German in 1959 and then this edition was revised in 1962 so it went through a process to become a very popular book now in english but been around still for a long time so close to 70 years in english and so when we are looking at different themes in this book i'm trying to pick out themes that are still very relevant to us today and I think that's been pretty easy to do because all throughout this book I'm finding so much that still pertains to us today um, and that still really are lessons that we haven't completely learned individually and aggregately as a society and so I'm not going to touch too much on current events because this will be archived and it needs to be relevant for a very long time but I will say this there's a lot going on in the world right now um, and a lot of it is very dark and a lot of it is very tragic and very negative very sad so with that said there's still a lot of good in the world too and there's a lot of love and there's hope and the world has seen awful times before and very dark times and very sad times before and the state that we're in now, although certainly not what these, what these people went through in, in concentration camps, um, there are some awful things that are happening and we need to acknowledge that and we need to be aware of that and we need to say it must stop. And so I think that this book is one, if you haven't ever read it or if it's been a long time since you've read it, this might be a good time. It really might. I think this should be a time of reflection and a time when we all as a group say we're going to do better now. And so one of the things that I think um, we cannot let happen is is these lessons cannot disappear and these lessons cannot be forgotten. The things that are in this book um, and certainly other books as well, but talking about what's been done from humans to other humans, those were lessons that should have been learned and taken to heart and never forgotten and i think sometimes that we've forgotten things that um and i'm saying we as as a society we've forgotten things that we should have already fixed and and never forgotten and so with that said um dr frankel talks a lot about the importance of choice and decisions that humans make regardless of their outside circumstances and that if people lose the power to make even the smallest decisions for themselves, they lose hope and they can't really survive for very long. Um, now with that said, he's never victim blaming and I think that's important to note in here. He's not victim blaming. He, he's able to say what he observed firsthand and put a medical background to the experience that he had as a prisoner. So it's a unique uh, position that he was in to be able to incorporate what he saw, what he lived through with the medical training and the the vast knowledge and the vast education that he already had and then to reflect after the experience and that's what we get in this book. And so I think it's a very unique perspective and an extremely valuable priceless perspective. So he talks about choice, he talks about decisions, and he talks about how humans need that and that's something unique to humans. I do believe that there are, there's some thought process or feeling process with animals, but humans have a unique need to make decisions about their future and to make choices. Even when it comes down to choices of faith, when it comes down to choices um, that, that people feel extremely passionate about, that is a uniquely human experience. I wanna get to the end of the book today. And even though we're not going chronologically, I'm going to wrap up with today's book study. Um, and there are a few places that, as I said last week, this book is divided into the first part being his experience in the concentration camp camps, because he was in several. And then the second half of the book is about logotherapy. Now, if we think of the word logo, we think about A logo that's on maybe your shoes or your t shirt or your car, even your car keys, a logo, but it really means something that stands for something or something that represents another thing. And so, logo therapy is really all about meaning man's search for meaning. A logo has meaning. We see a logo, we see the golden arches. And we know that means McDonald's. We see the swoosh and we know that means Nike because it has meaning to us. That might not have meaning to somebody who had never seen it before. They wouldn't know what that is, but we do know, we automatically know what that is. We attach meaning to everything and that's part of what we do mentally. And so in Man's Search for Meaning, he he is explaining why we do that and why it matters that we look for that meaning why we attach meaning to things and so logotherapy his branch of, of therapy of psychiatry is talking about how we attach meaning to things why we why we do that and sometimes there are problems with that process and then as a doctor he was looking uh to how to help people who had problems with the meaning of their own lives, because he says it's so individual, it's something that we must do, each individual human. And then he does talk about, again, about corporate meaning about togetherness about um, a thought process that happens throughout communities and throughout really countries, but that it, it has to boil down to each individual. Um, So again, very relevant for what our nation is dealing with right now in in, on multiple levels. Um, I want to start with where he was in the concentration camps. And he talks about how, interestingly, and, and awfully, there were times that guards were kinder to the prisoners than some prisoners were to each other. And why and how that could happen. Um, And he said that, for one thing, some people were just not kind. And they enjoyed the pain and suffering of others. And he said that was true, sometimes. Other times, people had become very hardened, um, emotionally and mentally, due to their circumstances. And they just didn't have the normal capacity to care about someone else but other times people did care even people who you wouldn't have expected to care to have compassion and they did because they made that decision and that choice and he talks in here about even um, a commander who was a, a, a high, the high level uh, what does he say here? Uh, the high, the highest level, I'm not sure, but uh, the the commander that was a Nazi who purchased medicine from his own money to supply for the prisoners, because he did have a conscience. Certainly, you could ask a lot of questions about that and say, well, why didn't he change things? Why didn't he let them go? But we also know that maybe he knew that he would be killed if he did, so it's it's really extremely deep uh, in, in terms of morality, in terms of right and wrong, and, and Frankel doesn't necessarily get into that, but he does say that there were people who should have made better decisions and did not, and there were people who were never expected to do the right thing, but yet they did, um, and so I'm going to now skip to where he talks about the will to meaning and he says man's search for meaning is a primary force in his life. The meaning is unique and specific in that it must and can be filled by him alone. And then later in that page, he says, I would not be willing to live merely for the sake of my defense mechanisms, nor would I be ready to die merely for the sake of my reaction formations man, however. able to live and even to die for the sake of his ideals and values because again he believed very strongly and throughout the writing it talks about man having the ability to live for something that matters and to make decisions based on those values and to know that that human had a purpose and that purpose was greater than everything else going on. And so he says later on that there are several reasons for morality, for doing the right thing. And he says, man is never driven to moral behavior. In each instance, he decides to behave morally. He goes on to say, man does not behave morally for the sake of having a good conscience, but for the sake of a cause to which he commits himself or for a person whom he loves, or for the sake of his God. So he gives those three reasons. Why would people make the right decisions? Why would people live right? And he says it's not as some other psychiatrists and some other schools of therapy would have said, well, it's all just a reaction. It's all an unconscious thing. It's all kind of uh, animal training, rat training, you know, where Uh, the rat has a bad experience, it doesn't do that thing again, or the rat gets rewarded and it does that thing over and over, whatever the thing is. Um, And Frankl says, no, he believes more. He believes people are more than, than that. We're not just rats to be trained. We're not just out for reward or out to avoid punishment, which I know that sounds like Pavlov and the dogs, and it sounds Freudian. It talks about Uh, you know, people doing things for these rewards or avoiding pain, but yet not really having truly a greater meaning. But he said, no, he said, no, that's not what it is. There are these three reasons why people make good choices, why people live in a certain way. Um, And it's it's not just because you don't want to feel bad or guilty. It's even more than that. It's even more than that feeling of Uh, badness or going back to your childhood that you've disappointed your parents or, you know, you feel like you've uh, been naughty. It's more than that. It's because you have a cause that you believe in, because you have someone you love, or because you have a faith that matters so much that you're willing to do the right thing. And that's kind of It's not the whole crux of the book, but it's kind of one of the most important parts to me. It's one of the things that stands out the most to me in this book, these reasons why we do things that might be difficult. We do things that we might not see this immediate payoff. We might not do the right thing and get patted on the head. We might not do the right thing and get a financial reward. We might not do the right thing and have somebody recognize it and appreciate it, but we still do the right thing or a lot of people still do the right thing. Now, why is that? And he said, there's a higher reason for it. And we're created in a way that makes us motivated for a cause for love and for God. And so he kind of just throws that in here. You know, it's not really uh, pointed out in the book, but it hit me. And then I want to skip to the end. And I want to skip to the end because the way that he wraps this up is, is, is powerful and it's strong. And I think having this book study, I would be remiss if I didn't read this to you and then just offer some reflections. It doesn't really need anything because the way v- Victor Frankl said it is still so strong and relevant and true. But at the end he says a human being is not one thing among others things in italics things determine each other but man is ultimately self-determining what he becomes within the limits of endowment and environment and just a side note there again he's not he's not victim blaming he's saying yes Things happen and there are things that we cannot control but he says what he becomes within the limits of endowment and environment he has made out of himself we watched and witnessed some of our comrades behave like swine while others behave like Saints man has both potentialities within himself which one is actualized depends on decisions, but not on conditions. So he says here, we have both potentialities, and that doesn't mean, I, I take it not to mean that humans as a whole have both potentialities, although that's true. I take it to mean that each one of us has both potentialities. Each one of us individuals can behave in a bad way, or we can behave in the right way and he believes that we have regardless of what those external factors are because they're real they, they can't be erased but regardless of that we still have within those confines within whatever those limitations or whether what within whatever has affected us externally we still have internal options and decisions and we still have right and wrong and um, then at the very end he says after all man is that being who has invented the gas chambers of auschwitz however he is also that being who has entered those gas chambers upright with the lord's prayer or the shema israel on his lips so that gives me chills um it really does and I believe he's saying that the true power is in our choices, it's in our decisions, it's the body, mind, and spirit all together, but specifically that mind and spirit coming together to allow us, no matter what, to still make the best decision we can under the circumstances the best options, the best choices that we can take depending on wherever we are. And that's such an individual thing. Um, And it's extremely powerful because when you realize that you still have some choice in life, that gives you a sense of power that no one can take away. And it gives you a sense of hope that there is a future. And I think that we all need that for our own mental health, for our own spiritual health, um, for our own sense of agency, for our own sense of power. And I think every individual needs that. And I think that in these times, we need to find that for ourselves and support each other in finding that strength that they have. Um, So this book, I would highly 100% recommend. I think it should be required reading in high school. It should be required reading in college. Uh, It should be required reading in any place of faith or worship. I think this book is completely relevant for right now, just like it was then. It just circumstances and times have changed, but um, but people need this. And so I'm gonna wrap up this book study and I thank you so much for being with me. I want you to know that you can email at, heather at midlifebest.com and that I have a mini course that is finished, just needs to get put on the updated website, and that will happen early to mid-June. It's, I'm working on that, but it's a course about how to read nonfiction books. I truly believe that books can change people's lives, and you can change your life for cheap by picking up a book, a good book, a book that has timeless wisdom, and this is definitely one of those books. The value in reading is, um, its its you can't put a price tag on it, but to read well, my mini course will give you some tips and tricks. It tells you how I study a book and how I really do more than just read, I work in the book. And that for me makes a difference in reading comprehension in understanding and getting so much more value out of what i've read so i'd love for you to pick that free course up and that's just by registering for my email list and again that's going to be really quick soon up on the midlife best facebook page or on the website but you can get there from the facebook page also so with that thanks have a great week and take care